Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Welcome to Kingsgate. I remember um, growing up in church whenever a minister would come and minister and tell a joke before the message that had nothing to do with the message. It was my favorite thing. So I'm going to do that today. So this morning, I want to tell you a quick joke. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, everything is bigger in Texas? Yeah, okay. Well, especially like the storm we had yesterday. It's like nothing and then and then gone. That's just how we do things out here in West Texas and Eastern New Mexico. But there's this joke that this man came to Texas. He was visiting Texas. And I know we're not in Texas, but we're five miles, so we can claim it, right? So anyway, he came to Texas to visit. And he went to a restaurant and he sat down. And he ordered a basket of fries and a Coca-Cola. And it came to the table and he goes, whoa, everything is bigger in Texas. And then he ordered a steak and the waiter brought the steak and set it down. And he goes, whoa, everything is bigger in Texas. The steak is huge. And then he said, "Um, sir, excuse me, where's the restroom? And the guy goes, down the hall, take a right. And he goes, okay. So he gets up, he goes down the hall, he takes a left, he falls into the pool and he goes, whoa, everything is bigger in Texas. It was the big toilet. It was the pool. He took a right, left, right, left. Okay. All right. Well, I just want to share with you today a message called The Great Multiplier. And I'm going to talk to you today from the Word of God and from my personal experience. I believe with all of my heart, you can't convince me otherwise because I've seen it. I've lived it. It's a pillar of my life. It is a... um, It's a belief system because I have built it on, number one, the word, of course, but I've also built it on personal experience and what these these are the pillars and the lessons and the methods of my life that have brought financial blessing into our home. And so I want to share these things with you, but I want to prove to you that God wants you to be blessed. Because here's the thing, as I was praying and preparing, God kept telling me, this is not a prosperity message, this is a freedom message. And when you're free, then you will prosper. But I can't tell you that God wants you to prosper and I can't convince you unless you get free in your mind of some mindsets and some strongholds and some thought patterns that need to change. Amen? So we're going to go into this message today with a spirit of humility. We're going to lean in and we're going to learn. If you want to learn and if you want your mind to be free in this area, you can leave here. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to leave here and your bank account is going to be full today. You, you may not leave here rich today, but if you want to, you will leave here free today so that then you can take the steps for financial increase in your business and in your home and in your family. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you for our pastors who are my covering and our covering. God, we thank you for this day. And I pray that you would give me your words, that you would speak your words through me, put a guard over my mouth. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. So I'm going to start by telling you a quick story about my grandma on my dad's side. She told me this story not long ago. Well, it was a long time ago. It was several years ago. She told me this story about when she started learning about tithing and giving and what it did for her life. Um, and so she told me that on my, her husband, my grandfather's side, that that side of the family was extremely poor. Poverty, barefoot, very, very poor, no food for the kids in the home, 
Um, it, it, even at some point, she said that they, ha- they were eating cat food and dog food. Some of you know, some of you have either come from that background, you're familiar with that back- background, and others of you are like, wow, that kind of poverty exists in America? Yes, it does. And so she, from my grandfather's side, she was telling me how poor that side of the family was. But my grandfather was um, industrious and was a painter. And so he, he was not serving God. He wasn't a Christian, but he was a painter. That was his trade. And so my grandmother started going to church. She got saved, started going to church, and she, her pastor started teaching on tithing and giving and financial blessing. And so she wanted to learn, and she wanted to grow, and she wanted to apply anything that she found in the word to her personal life. So the problem was, was that he didn't even want her going to church, much less her coming home and telling him, hey, I got to give 10% to the church. She, that wasn't going to go over well. And so she came home, and she said, um, I'm learning about this tithing thing. And, well, actually, let me rewind. So she, she prayed, and she told the Lord, when it's time, you nudge me. Holy Spirit, you tell me when it's time to bring this up to him because she wanted to make sure it was the right timing. So she said she'll never forget the moment. They were sitting at a stoplight, and they were in the car. He was driving. She was in the pastor's seat, and she said, um, JW, the pastor's been teaching us about tithing and giving, and I'd like to start tithing. And he said, do whatever you want. And she was like, well, I'm going to take that as permission. I'm going to do what I want. So she started tithing and giving. Within a month, his he had received a painting job. He got a, a, an opportunity for a painting job that paid the amount he was making in a year in one job. So he came to her kind of with a bad attitude and said, whatever it is you're doing with this tithing thing, keep doing it. <laughs> and look at that, how I live a blessed life, I believe, because my grandmother started to make that decision to tithe and give. And so what I want to talk to you about today is not methods that will just like, it's not a quick, get rich, quick scheme. I'm gonna, that's not biblical. The love of money is the root of all evil, and we're going to go over that today. That is not biblical. We're not here to find out how to get rich quick. We're here, we're here to learn methods and lessons from the word of God that will change our family tree and bring blessings upon our life and our children and our grandchildren and our grandchildren's children. Amen? Okay, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Jesus says, or God says, you choose, right? So before we read these verses, God has provided everything in his word, right? The only thing holding it back is us. We're the ones holding back the blessing of God. And and that's not a condemnation statement. That's just we need to learn so that we can step into the fullness of his blessing, correct? Okay, so Deuteronomy 30, 15 says, now listen. Today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Anyone who tells you that God doesn't want you blessed, take them to this verse. It's a lie, okay? God wants us to prosper. Verse 16, for I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply. Again, prosperity, multiplication. And the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. Verse 17, but if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you were drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. 
verse 19. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. He repeats it again. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to life. Well, I could just sit down. There we go. That's the whole sermon. Wherever godly people are that are obeying God, keeping his commandments, wherever they are involved, blessings follow. Okay, let me prove it to you right here. Genesis chapter 39, verse 5. Do you guys remember the story of Joseph? He was put in Potiphar's house. Well, first he was put in a pit. Then he was put in prison. Then he was put in, well, no, pit, then Potiphar's house, then prison. Is that right? And then Pharaoh's house. So look at this verse. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So wherever the godly people are who are obeying God and following his commands, blessings follow. And you're like, wait, I'm godly. I'm following Jesus' commands and I don't feel blessed. Well, it's probably because there's a stronghold in your mind where you believe you can't be blessed. And maybe you're looking at me right now and secretly, deep down inside, you're telling yourself, yeah, but Pastor Jen, you don't know what kind of life I came from. God is not a respecter of persons. If he can bless me, he can bless you. If he will bless me, he will bless you. God has not called you to an apathetic, sad, low life. He's called you to a life of victory, prosperity, blessing, and more. But the problem is that poverty is a mindset. Poverty is a stronghold. Poverty is a curse. And what's happened is, is that many of you, many of us, if we go back through our family tree, at some point there was poverty that took a hold. And it's trying to keep its hold on you and your family. But you can decide today, I set before you blessing and cursing, right? Life and death, but you choose. And so today, I want you to, as I'm preaching, I want you to get excited and get faith-filled to believe, whoa, today's the day things change for me and my family. Whoa, today's the day I'm gonna start believing this. Even if I haven't seen it with my eyes, I'm gonna believe this. Because here's another thing. Poverty can become an excuse that you use to not move forward in what God's provided for you. There are ble- the, the Bible says that he gives us the ability to get wealth. He gives you creative ideas. He wants to shine light in areas of your life and and release creativity and gifts and talents and things in your life that can bring a blessing into your family. But sometimes because of our mindset of poverty, we stay in a a state of, of just making excuses and being stuck. But financial blessing is also a mindset. You have got to renew your mind in this area. How many of you have had to renew your mind in the area of um, overcoming shame and guilt for past sins? How many of you have had to overcome uh, wrong thinking in the area of sickness and health? How many of you have had to overcome wrong thinking in your mind in the area of perversion or these things that, that, that we are programmed for when we're living in sin, right? But when we come to know Jesus and when we, when we accept what Jesus did on the cross, we accept salvation, we accept healing, and we accept prosperity and blessing. We are children of God. I'm not a child of God who's poor, and neither are you. 
You have to believe that you are a child of God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He has more than enough. He's the creator of heaven and earth. I was, on, I was on vacation and I was walking on the beach and every morning in my ear I would listen to chapters of Psalms. They would just play. And man, there's nothing like walking on the beach and seeing the ocean with its, with its strength and watching the birds and all of the wildlife and hearing Psalms 103 that's saying he set the boundary for the oceans to stop. He feeds the livestock from his hands. He is greater than all of these things, and yet here we are in our small little thinking, thinking, I'm just supposed to live poor. No, you're not. You are called to be blessed. All right? You still don't believe me, I can tell, so I'm going to keep going. There are four things that you need to move forward financially. But by the end, trust me, you're going to believe this if you want to, and we're going to get you free, and you're going to be blessed, not just in your finances, but in your emotions, and in your mind, and in your joy in your home, and in the culture of your home. There is freedom here today. I love July 4th because I love to celebrate freedom. Let freedom ring. Amen? Like, like I don't want to be, I don't, we went to, whenever I have been overseas to, to other countries and we took a, a layover in London or whatever. I'm like, yeah, man, we got free from y'all. We're independent. I'm American. Let freedom ring. This is a great country, and I love my country. But the same way that the people who fought for independence for this country paid the price for us to live free, can you imagine if you just decided, oh, I'm not going to take the freedom that they've given me. I'm going to subject myself to Great Britain. I'm going to just forever be, I'm not going to be an independent citizen of the United States, I'm going to just, I'm, I'm British. I identify as British. That's what some of us do. Jesus paid the full price on the cross for our freedom, and we're like, I don't identify with freedom. I'm going to identify with bondage. I'm going to just stay bound. I'm going to stay small. I'm going to stay apathetic. I'm going to stay sad and small. No, stop. And some of you have false humility too. There's this sense of false humility that says, if, if I step out into the fullness of what God's given me and if I step into the gifts and the callings, then, then maybe I'm gonna be walking in pride. No. You keep yourself obedient to Jesus and to God and to his ways and he guides you and leads you into greater and greater from glory to glory to glory to glory. Okay, sorry, I gotta stop. We gotta get to our points. Number one, four things you need to move forward financially. Number one is understanding. You have got to understand who God is. And I just hit on that, so I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna go back through that, but he's great, and he owns it all, and he has more than enough. Number one, you have to understand who he is. He is the great multiplier, and you are not. He is the burden bearer, and you are not. He is the God, and you are not. He's the father and you're the child. He's the covering and you're under his care. He is the great multiplier and you're just the one who's faithful and obedient and generous and loving and follows him and obeys him and, and, and lets him guide you into the fullness of his kingdom. We have to understand who he is and then we have to also understand whether or not he wants us to be blessed. I'm not gonna go into all the verses, y'all. I could just, we could go for hours over all the verses that prove that God wants us to be blessed. He gives seed to the sower. Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. There's all of these verses, but we have to believe in our heart. What about Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, I, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. 
Okay, so we have to first believe and understand who God is. He's not like your earthly father. He's not like your boss. He's not even like you or me, right? Because we're flawed and we're imperfect. And sometimes we think of God and we run it through the filter of who we are. He, he's perfect and capable and more than enough. He is more than able and he is more than enough. I want to read this story to you really quickly in 2 Kings chapter 4. Now there happened to be a certain woman who had been the wife of a member of the guide of prophets. She cried out to Elisha, my husband who served you has died and, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But a creditor has come to take away my children into indentured servitude. In Elisha responded, now hit this verse, let's focus on this verse. Elisha responded, Oh, you know what, guys? I think I have the wrong version. I'm going to read it from the screens. I apologize. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Now, pause there. Elisha asked this woman, and I'm going to ask you today, what is it that you want God to do for you, and what do you have? What do you have? Give him what you've got. And watch him be the great multiplier. And I'm not just talking about your money. Because I believe that I believe this is a giving church and this is a generous church. And you have a giving and generous heart. But give him what you have in your gifts. Give him what you have in your, your personality, your ability. Give him what you have in your finances, in your hospitality, in your home. And see what he does to multiply it. I'll never forget the very first flourish meeting we had at my house. I don't remember what year it was. We had 30 women come. And in February this year, we had over 400 women in this room and we had to bring chairs in. Why? Because he is the great multiplier. But what does he require from us? Faithfulness, endurance, consistency. Don't give up, keep going, keep believing, keep fighting, keep praying, keep declaring, keep praising. When you don't see it, keep doing 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 it. And then one day, boom. And you know what? A lot of people who came that night and saw those over 400 women, they probably thought, wow, this happened suddenly. Oh, no, there were years and months and hours of work and prayer and faithfulness from our pastors and from our team and from the people in this church. Let's look at the next verse. So he said, what shall I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Okay, let's look at her answer. Because her answer reveals her attitude. Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil. Now wait, she could have said, I have a flask of olive oil. And instead she said, I have nothing. Her attitude, her mindset was poverty. Her mindset was lack. Her mindset was nothing. And instead of focusing on what she did have to give, she was focusing on, I have nothing. Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into the house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said. Now she had faith. <laughs> now she's like, wait, there's a bunch of oil coming. Get some more jars. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he said. 
he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When did the olive oil stop flowing? When she stopped providing jars. Jars in your life is your obedience to God. It's your generosity and your giving. It's you setting up your life and your home and your family to say, here's my jar, Lord, fill it up. Here's my jar, Lord, I'm gonna pour it out for you, but you fill it up. Do we have more verses there? Okay, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. I love that there's leftover. There's always leftover. So we gotta know who he is. We gotta know that he wants us to be blessed. He, everybody say this with me, say he is the great multiplier. I am not. I give him what I have. He multiplies it. The pressure's off of me. He's God. I'm not. All right. Now, an attitude of lack and a spirit of fear will keep you stuck. So now we have to address the spirit of fear. Sometimes we've got to turn off the news. I don't have time to read it this morning, but Luke chapter 12 talks about how he cares. That the, the Bible says, consider the lilies of the field. That not even Solomon in all of his splendor is clothed as these. And then it goes on to say, how much can you add to your life by worrying for one day? Some, look, money is a big source of worry. I get it. It's a big source of stress. You're wondering how to pay the bills. You're wondering how to get your kids clothes for the new school year. You're wondering all these things. But he's the great multiplier. And we have to, we have to, it's okay to be concerned. I'm gonna, well, I'll just tell you really quick. I recently had something come up in my life that was out of the blue that was gonna be very expensive, some medical expenses. And I was like, for days, I was just silent. Like, Matt Zoller, you okay? Mm -hmm. You sure you don't wanna talk about it? Mm -mm. <laughs> because I was processing and I was in fear and I was worried. And, and that's okay, that's a human response. But we can't stay there. So I decided one day, I got up and I was having my quiet time. I got my notebook out and I said, okay, God. I said, I, I prayed, I gave it to him, I laid it down. I, I told him I trusted him and I said, okay, God, let's do this. And I started just writing out anything I could think of, planning, thinking, be, trying to be creative, just writing down ideas and ways that God could bring money because money, bringing money into our lives requires work. Sometimes he drops it on you. Sometimes a check shows up in the mail. But most of the time, come on, y'all know, we gotta, we gotta work. We can pray all we want to, but if we just pray and hide in the back of the sanctuary, the, nothing's gonna happen. That moves me into my second point. My second point is the second thing that you need is action. Let me go back to fear really quickly. Fear drives us to burnout. Fear will drive you to do things in your own strength until you're burnt out. But faith will guide you to break through. Fear will drive us to make mistakes. If you're driven by fear and you're driven by, you're driven by your own self-ability, you're gonna be driven to make mistakes, but faith makes up for your mistakes. Faith steps out and says, I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna do this, and God, I believe you're gonna fill in the gaps and take care of the, take care of the, the gaps. Fear will drive us to compromise, but faith will hold us to integrity. So when it comes to money, you cannot be driven by fear because it will force you to compromise and make mistakes. But if you stay in a position of faith, 
God will hold you to that spirit of integrity. Okay, so number two is action. I want to read Ephesians chapter 5, but only verse 14. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Look, prayer is powerful and necessary. We know that, right? We're in church. You wouldn't be here if you didn't know prayer worked, okay? Prayer works. So we're going to move on past that, and we're going to say, prayer is important, but at some point, you've got to do something. Wake up, O sleeper. Another verse says, consider the ant. He stores up and he's wise and he's working hard. Can you imagine, do you guys know little ants? Have you seen them? How hard they're working? Like you drop a, a crumb of your chip, you're eating a chip and you drop a crumb and the crumb's like 17 times bigger than his body, but he's still grabbing it and taking it home. The Bible says to consider the ant and be like him. Work hard. Prayer guides our work. Prayer protects our work. Prayer produces more from our work. But Prayer without work is, is not going to get at you anything. And work without prayer is certainly not going to get you anywhere. Both are important. Remember, I'm going to say it again. Prayer fuels our work. Prayer guides our work. Prayer directs our work. And prayer protects our work. You can do this, guys. Look, it's time to wake up. You can do more. God's, there's more for you. God told Gideon, hey, man of God. Everybody look up here and listen to me. Man of God, woman of God. The, God told Gideon, go in the strength that you have. Go, do, awaken. There's things on the inside of you. There's business ideas, abilities inside of you that will bring blessing into your life. Some of you, I'm telling you this because I'm preaching to myself. You are sitting on the financial need that you have. You're sitting on the provision for it. You're just sitting on your hands. And God's going, what if you did this? And what if you did this? And what if you go and talk to your boss about this? And what if you apply for this? And what if you move this here and, up and invest this here? There are creative ideas and abilities inside of you for the financial breakthrough that you need. The third thing that you need is generosity. Think about the five loaves and the two fish. Let's go back to Elisha when he said, hey, what's in your house? What do you have? So Jesus, let's fast forward to Jesus, right? He's with his disciples. They've worked hard. They've, they've ministered to the multitude. They're tired, they're exhausted, and they're hungry. And I think the disciples came to Jesus because they were hungry. Because me personally, I get hangry. Like I can work and then it's time to eat and I got to eat because I can't do anything else until I eat. And then we can go again, but I got to eat right now. When I was little and my mom would take me school shopping, I would hit this point and she'd be like, okay, we're taking you to eat. And we'd go eat Chick-fil-A and then we'd go shop some more. You got to feed me and then I can do some more. I think the disciples were like, you know, when they came to Jesus and they were like, hey, this crowd, you know, send them home. They're hungry. I think they were hungry. They're like, Lord, we've been working all day. Send them home so we can eat. And Jesus said, you feed them. And it's like, what? We feed them. We don't have anything. And Jesus said, what do you have? And here comes this little boy with five loaves and two fish. And in his generosity, he, didn't, he could have just broken off. Said, here's half my fish and here's half of my bread and the rest of it I'm going to eat. No, he said, all I've got is five loaves and two fish. You can have this, Jesus. He gave him everything that he had. And through his generosity, he had enough. They had enough. Everybody had enough. And everybody had enough left over. Generosity has changed my life and it will change yours. 
So I wanna, I wanna say, your heart should always be satisfied in the Lord, but your attitude should never be complacent toward growth. Like God's called you to contentment, but never complacency. Some of us use contentment, oh, I'm just content, as an excuse to be complacent. It's time to wake up today and go, wait a minute, God has more for me. The bare minimum isn't enough anymore. God's called us to more. In fact, doing the bare minimum, I promise you, you want to stay right where you're at? You want to never get promoted at your job? Do the bare minimum. Show up a little bit late, leave a little bit early, and just do the bare minimum of what you're told. But you want to get real quick promoted? Real quick, especially in these days. It doesn't take a whole lot. Just do a little more than you were asked. Show up a little early. Leave a little late. Offer to do more. Ask how you can help. Smile and say thank you. Be excellent. Dress nice. Show up. And I promise you, the favor of God will rest on your life. And before you know it, they're going to be going, hey, can you help me with this? And the next thing you know, they're like, hey, we have an opening. Yes, Lord, I'll take it. It'll pay double what you're making now. Yes, Lord, I'll take it. All because you were excellent and generous with your attitude. All right, first, we got to hit this verse because this is the one everybody quotes when preachers preach about money. 1 Corinthians 6, 6 through 10. Sorry, 1 Timothy girls. Y'all are doing great with my mistakes back there. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we had enough food and clothing, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, everybody say craving, have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. The greatest weapon against greed is generosity. So we are called to be blessed. I believe every single person in this room is called to have more than enough for your family so that you can use it for the purpose of blessing others. Wouldn't it be nice to have more than enough so you can take care of someone else's need? Wouldn't it be nice to not be the person in need so that you could bless the person who is in need? Well, it's God has called us to be blessed, but then we have to be careful that we don't cross over into covetousness and greed. And that's real easy. It's real simple. The greatest way to overcome covetousness and greed is generosity. The greatest way that God can use your life is through generosity. It sounds counterintuitive, but it's a law. Given it shall be given unto you. Listen, listen to this. If financial gain becomes your goal, and it becomes your focus, you'll lose everything. But as long as godly character remains your goal, you'll never lack anything. I'm going to say it again. If financial gain is your goal and your focus in life, you will lose everything. Your family, your soul, your heart, you'll lose everything. If financial goal is your fo- gain is your focus. But if godly character is your goal and your focus, you will never lack anything. Because you will live under the blessing and the covering of God. All right, and number four, the last one. 
Actually, girls, before we go to number four, generosity, I just want to say this. Some of the most generous people are the ones who have the least. And some of the most greedy people are the ones who have the most. But generosity is a mindset. Okay, hear this and then we're going to move on to the last point. Generosity is a mindset. Generosity is thinking and knowing I can bless you from my lack because God's my source. I can bless you from my abundance because God's my source. The, the culture in my home can be a culture of generosity and giving and blessing and constantly flowing out, flowing out, flowing out because I believe he's my source and more is going to flow in. My mom and dad always say live with an open hand. What does that mean? Well, if I've got $100, I'm not clinging to it with all, my, with all my heart. I'm holding it with an open hand. And if God tells me to give it, I'm going to give it. Another thing that my dad and mom used to say growing up was, when you have ones, give ones. When you have fives, give fives. When you have tens, give tens. When you have hundreds, give hundreds. When you have thousands, Lord, give it to all of us. Give thousands. When you have millions, me, Lord, not now, but someday. When you have millions, give millions. I would love to write somebody a check for a million dollars and it clear my bank account. Wouldn't that be the most incredible feeling? But what happens is we start out with our ones and our tens and our hundreds and we start giving. We're like, okay, this is good. I'm, God's blessing me. I'm giving and I'm, I'm seeing it grow and I'm seeing, whoa, I'm seeing blessing in my life. My, my paycheck doesn't, I don't make enough money to be this blessed. Where's all this? I don't know what's happening. And then we start getting to the thousands, the ten thousands, and we go, ooh, wait, I can't give that. No, 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 no. I got to save that for retirement. I got to hold on to that for a rainy day. And greed starts to come in. And when that happens, I'm telling you, all it takes is a quick decision. Generosity breaks greed. Just make the decision to give. And it keeps that spirit of generosity and that spirit of blessing flowing in your life. The last one, you guys, is the secret sauce. <laughs> the secret sauce. I've been talking to a lot of New Yorkers lately on the phone, dealing with some business stuff, some stuff, some stuff. And they're all like, hi, can I help you? And they say secret sauce. So I decided today to point four would be the secret sauce. The secret sauce, if you've ever talked to a cook... Or no, Adrian and I, we always like to go eat together, me and my buddy Adrian, and we call each other salt and pepper because she's black and I'm white, in case you didn't know. And so we call each other salt and pepper, and we have this thing we don't even try. It just naturally happens when we sit down to enjoy a meal together. One of us at some point goes, this needs a little salt, or this needs a little pepper. It's just like, it just happens. We start criticizing, not criticizing, but we start like talking about the food. We're foodies. And they say that the difference in a three- and a four-star restaurant, you'd think it'd be something real fancy, right? The only difference in the food at the three- and four-star is the amount of salt and pepper, the secret sauce. So how many of you have ever ate, eaten a meal that was way over-salted? It's like, oh, we can't eat that. Or way under-salted, and you're like, hey, can you pass the salt? Right? It can be the most wonderfully, perfectly cooked brisket or breakfast or whatever it is, but if it's missing the salt and pepper, it's like, eh, eh, that's not happening. What is the secret sauce? The secret sauce is the God factor in your life. I'll never forget when I first started my first uh, Airbnb, which was a dream for like 10 years. I had this dream. I was like, one day, I, 
I'm going to have an Airbnb. I know it. I'm going to do it. And I was just, I love hospitality, and I loved the idea of it, and I was like, someday. And I'll never forget, when I opened my first one, I called different counselors and people who watch over our, our lives and give us wisdom. And I had a, a couple of people, which I don't know, I don't know why they even had an opinion, but I didn't ask for their opinion. But I had a couple of people tell me it'll never work in that area, that neighborhood. It'll never work. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, we've tried it, and it doesn't work. And I'm like, okay. So my counselors all said, yes, do it. Matt said, do it. We said, okay, we're going to try it for a year, and we'll see what happens. In that first year, I think we had like 12 nights out of 365 that weren't booked. Wow, the God factor. Somebody else had tried in the same neighborhood and nothing. But the God factor. And people are going to tell you that's not going to work. You're going to have an idea and people are going to say, I don't know, that's not going to work. Make sure you are careful who you're partnering with. Make sure you are careful that you are surrounding yourself with godly, wise counselors. And people who are going to tell you sometimes, I don't see it, I don't think you should go that route, don't do that. Warning, 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 and then we listen. But surround yourself with people who are going to believe in you and believe in the dream and say, go, girl, go. Go, man, go. Do, man, do. You can do this, and I believe in you because you have the God factor. But the thing is, is there's two things we have to have to get the God factor resting on our lives. Obedience and gratitude. My little Camila she comes over to the house a lot, and I love that little thing. I would give her anything. I get to be the aunt that spoils her and gives her whatever she wants. Ice cream for breakfast, let's do it. Extra sprinkles, let's do it. You want to go swimming in the middle of the night? Sure, let's do it. Anything she wants. But I'm going to tell you something. If that little thing isn't grateful and is kind of bratty once in a while, not very often, once in a while, she's an angel. Once in a while, I'm like, oh, you don't want your corn dog? I'm taking that corn dog back. How many of you like to bless someone who's ungrateful? You give a Christmas gift and they unwrap it and they're like, man, this isn't the one I wanted. You're like, well, then give it back. Generosity, I mean, gratitude and obedience is what lets the God factor rest on your life. And this is the last verse I want to share. Malachi 3.8. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Everyone focuses on the tithing and the giving part of this verse. Everyone focuses on what God's asking. Man, I would rather give him 10% and have an open heaven, windows of heaven open and pouring out blessings in my life. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. I love that. I circle that in my Bible. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from the insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Try it. When I say obedience, try it. I dare you to try it and see what happens with your finances. 
I bought recently this, this like mesh bag. I, I, we moved into a house and there's this uh, grapevine in the backyard. And every year, right around this time of year, we'd go outside and all of the, the bunches of grapes that had been growing for months would be all eaten up and there would just be like stems. And so I went on Amazon and I bought this mesh bags that you put around the grapes and then you tie it around the top and it's supposed to protect it from the birds and the squirrels. They were eating all my grapes. And so this year, my grapes are turning purple and they're almost ripe and I think we're gonna actually get to eat them. And they're not gonna fall to the ground or get eaten by insects or birds or squirrels or any of those things. We're gonna actually have them. Well, that mesh bag that goes around my grapes, spiritually speaking, that's my tithing and giving. That is my obedience to his word and my gratefulness to what he's done for me. That protects your finances and brings a blessing. I believe, guys, that today God wants to bring some healing. As I was getting ready this morning, Eric, would you go ahead and come up and start playing on the keys? As I was getting ready this morning, I was praying over this message. Man, I felt so heavily on my heart that even some of you are bound in the area of your finances because of shame. And I was like, shame? We think of shame as keeping us bound in guilt for sins and things like that, but maybe there have been, maybe you've come from poverty and you're ashamed of it. Maybe you're currently in such a deep pit of debt that you are controlled and bound by fear and anxiety and shame for maybe some bad decisions that you've made financially. Maybe, maybe, maybe you are bound by shame because you know, man of God, woman of God, you know that you're not living up to the fullness of your potential. Because of that, you, you just, you're bound. The enemy's got you all bound up in shame. But today, listen closely to this. If you don't hear anything else I've said today, hear this. God wants to bring healing from past disappointments in this area. God wants to bring deliverance from word curses spoken over your life. You'll never be anything. You'll never amount to anything. You didn't do that right. You never do it right. Why do you do it that way? Growing up in a, in a, in a home like that can bring childhood trauma that causes you to never believe in yourself. But I'm here to tell you, Pastor Jen, Pastor Matt, Pastor Fabian, and most importantly, God, we believe in you. We believe you are capable of so much more. And we believe that contentment in your heart is a God attitude. But we also believe that he has not called us to be apathetic or complacent. And in fact, there's a spirit of heaviness that causes us to stay in apathy and causes us to stay stuck. And today, man, God wants to set you free. He wants to release the joy of the Lord, the open windows of heaven. Maybe some of you were raised lacking as a child. And so you have this mindset of, I'll just never have enough. I'll never, I'll never be able to buy the expensive brand of Cheerios. Girl, go buy yourself some name brand cereal. God has more than enough. Y'all know that Sam's brand Coke don't taste the same. 
but you have a mindset that says, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Today, I'm believing, right now, I'm believing for miracles, debt cancellations, freedom from some of you who are in bondage, even to legal situations. Somebody in here, you're bound to a legal situation that's leaving you in lack and leaving you in poverty. I don't know if it's child support. I don't know if it's a debt. I don't know what's going on, but somebody in here, you are bound by a legal situation that is draining you. And maybe you made some mistakes that got you to that place, but he's the restorer and the healer and the deliverer, and he can turn that situation around if you believe and if you obey. I wanna believe God today that you're gonna be restored to a childlike trust, restored to a sense of safety and provision and more than enough, and that the spirit of heaviness and poverty and apathy and lack will be broken off of your life today. Would you just stand with me this morning? Father, we believe right now, nobody, nobody looking at their phones, nobody talking to their neighbor, this message is not complete. Father, we believe right now that you are the great multiplier and the deliverer and the healer and the restorer of our souls. God, I pray right now for every person in this room. Set them free, 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 Jesus. Every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, I'm gonna pray for you first. Would you just raise your hand so we can see you? If you have come in here today and you can say, honestly, Pastor Jen, I don't know where I'd go if I died today. I've never accepted Jesus into my heart, but I want to today. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, good. Everybody's, everybody's saved, good. Okay, now, if you know today, man, Pastor Jen, I need freedom. There's chains, there's mindsets, there's something holding me back fear, apathy, past experiences, traumas, shame. I don't know what all it is, but something's going on inside of me and I can feel the Holy Spirit stirring and calling me to more, calling me up higher, calling me to champion and be all that I'm called to be in this life. If that's you, would you slip up your hand so I can see you? Thank you for your courage all across this room, men and women and everybody, thank you. Praise God, thank you. All right, one last step. There's lots of you, so you don't have to be ashamed. If you raised your hand, would you come stand at the front? Because I believe that there's an anointing on my life today that when I lay hands on you and agree with you, poverty is breaking, apathy is breaking, heaviness is breaking, and there is new breakthroughs and miracles in the name of Jesus.